masseuse, and he sounds amazing. But anyways, today is Sunday. Today, hope is risen, and I have a message I want to share with you. Uh, and the title of my message this morning is, When Hope Came to Life. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 7. For those, of, for those of you who were not with us last week, last week we looked at the crucifixion of Jesus. We looked at the day that Jesus was nailed to the cross and we walked through the story from John's perspective and we saw how heartbroken John was when he thought that hope had died. And we know that in fact hope did not die, it was just simply in preparation. It was getting ready to rise out of the darkness of that grave. This morning if you have your Bibles... Verse 1 in, the chap- or in chapter 28 of Matthew says this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, the, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook And became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And they said something amazing and and transforming. They said he is, or he said he is not here. He has risen just as he said. How many times do we listen to what God is telling us, but we listen at him and not to him? He's been telling the disciples, I'm not going to stay there. I'm getting up. But they expected him to still be in the tomb and still be dead. Sometimes God makes promises to us that we hear and we think about, but we don't believe. And it seems like things die in our lives, and we just wait for them to stay dead. When in reality, if we would just walk in a little bit of faith, it's going to happen. He goes on to say this. He said he was, he is, he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. That's good news today. He is not in the grave. He is risen. Last week we looked at John and his relationship with Jesus. We found out that he was called as a fisherman, but quickly he grew in relationship with Jesus, not just as a disciple, but as a friend. In fact, John had a nickname that was John the Beloved. He was loved by Jesus, and he loved Jesus. At the Last Supper that so many of us have seen or have paintings of, he was actually sitting at the right side of Jesus. He was sitting in the place of honor beside Jesus because of the relationship that they had. He loved Jesus. They were, he, he was probably the closest disciple to him. And then John... After the Last Supper, he sees his Jesus, his friend, his Savior, his teacher. He sees him crucified, arrested, and and then beaten, and then crucified. And John is the only disciple that follows him to the cross. And so what we talked about last week is John is the only disciple that can talk from firsthand experience about what happened at the cross. John followed him to the cross, and the whole time that he was watching Jesus hang on the cross, we're sure that he was hoping that Jesus would find a way down, that certainly death would not consume him. Certainly, Jesus, if he was the king of kings and he was God, that he would not die on the cross. John was waiting patiently with every bit of hope inside of him that hope would not die. 
But as John waited at the side of Jesus at the foot of the cross, he did, in fact, see Jesus take in his last breath and die. We saw John break as he felt that hope had died. We all find ourselves at different times in our lives feeling like all hope is gone and the sun has set on our hope like hope has, is dead and is not coming. But the truth is, is that we know something today that John did not know as he sat at the foot of the cross. Last week we ended with this thought. The glory of God shines brightest when the sun sets on our hopes, but we keep our eyes on Jesus anyway. The glory of God shines brightest when the sun sets on our hope, but we keep our eyes on Jesus anyway. Why is that statement so important? Because at the end of the day, God has the final say. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where we are, what we've gone through, or what the physician says, or what it looks like. At the end of the day, God has the final say about what happens in our lives. Is that true? And so what John didn't know is that hope wasn't dead. It was simply preparing to rise. We have to trust God in the middle of darkness because we aren't able to see what God sees and we aren't able to see how God sees. And so John didn't know this, but in the middle of our darkness and in the middle of pain and chaos and storms, we can't take our eyes off of Jesus. As John stood at the foot of Calvary, he thought hope had died. He thought that Israel was going to be in chains forever. He thought that Everything was ending. But he couldn't see that God was working. We have to understand that God always has our best at heart. And he is for us and not against us. We live in a world that tries to convince us that God is against us. That God is mad at us because we've done this or we've done that. And if you can't look this way and you can't act this way, then God doesn't love you. But the truth is, is that we serve a God that met us at the point of our need. One of my favorite scriptures is that God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners. Somebody say still sinners. Still messed up, still drunk, still alcoholics, still drug heads, still gossipers, still backbiters. Even then, he showed his love for us in that while we were still messed up, he sent his son to die for us. When we get stuck in dark places, we tend to lean on our own understanding. John was broken. The disciples was, were broken. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was coming next. They were afraid. How many have ever been afraid because you don't know what your future is holding? They met in a room and said, what now? What are we going to do now? How many of you ever sit looking at your finances before and trying to figure out how these dimes and nickels are going to add up and you think to yourself, what now? That's what they were in a room doing. What are we going to do now? Everything that we were hoping for is gone. The problem with leaning on our own understanding is that the Bible tells us not to because our own understanding, when we're going through chaos, our own understanding is finite. It's limited. We can't see what God is doing. Only thing we can see when we're going through crazy stuff is the crazy stuff. Kind of like when you have a friend and they're coming to you all the time. They're talking to you all about all the drama in their life and everything's going wrong. And you can see clearly from the outside what needs to be done, but they can't because they're in the middle of it. 
You see, the Bible tells us to lean on God and not on our own understanding in the middle of chaos because when we're in the middle of chaos, we can't see what God is doing. All we can see is our problems. Whenever we get in that place, we try to, we try to put God in a natural small box, in a box that makes sense. And the problem with that is that we serve a supernatural God. So how can we put a supernatural God in a small and natural box? We can't. Why do we do that? Because whenever we're going through crazy things, whenever John sat at the foot of the cross and saw Jesus hanging there and dying and saw them bring him down and take him away, I bet he was trying to make sense of it all. He was trying to say, how in the world does this make sense? And there are some times that God does things in our lives and they don't make sense. Why does sickness come in when it does? Why does pain come in when it does? Why does separation come in when it does? Sometimes things don't make sense to us, but God is doing something that we can't see. And so John was so focused on Jesus' death that he couldn't see the victory that was being won. He was so focused on the immediate and what was right there before him that he couldn't see that Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the, the, the Savior, the, the, the God who everything was made through and nothing was made without, he was hanging on the cross and John was so focused on the immediate situation that he couldn't see that with every nail that went into his body, he was paying for the sins of the people that he loved. With every whip that went across his back, he was paying for the healing of his children. With every single slap across his face, he was taking the burdens that had been placed on mankind through the sin that came through Adam. What John couldn't see is that Jesus was setting the people he loved free with every violent stroke that went across his body. And because he took those pains, because he took those whips, because he took those nails, today we can walk in love and victory. And we can walk straight into the presence of God because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. John couldn't see that. You see, and here's the things. Here's the thing. We know that Jesus died for our sins. But it's funny how we try to categorize our sins. We try to say, well, Jesus died for this sin, but I don't think he died for that sin. Or, or this sin is better than another or lower than another. But the truth is, is that Jesus, whenever he took those nails in his hands, he died for the big sins, the little sins, the hidden sins, the, the sins that everyone can see. He died for them all. He died for the popular sins and the unpopular sins. He died for the gossiper that you never, you don't never hear somebody or see somebody go to the altar for gossiping, do you? Oh, Jesus. I can see it. Lord, it, today if you are struggling with backbiting and gossiping and lying, I just want you to come down to the altar. I want to pray for you. That would be the shortest Pentecostal altar call we have ever seen. But the truth is when he took those nails in his hands, he did take them for the backbiter, the liar, the, gossip, the gossiper, the drunkard, the, the drug addict, the thief. The adulteress, the homosexual, all of it. He took it all. He loves them all. He loves us all, regardless of where we are or how popular our particular sin is among the church. And the cool thing is that now we no longer have to be separated because Jesus has bridged the gap between a holy God and a fallen man. 
Why do we worship on, on Easter? Why is Easter known as the Super Bowl of the church? Because we worship today a God that literally came down from heaven and made a place in earth. The, in, in Christmas time, we, we worship him because he came in and, and was born in a lowly manger. And lived a normal life of a worker, of a carpenter. And then he went to Calvary and died for our sins. And now he took on the burden of sin that separated us from God. And he bridged the gap so that now I can go straight into God's presence through the blood of Jesus when I call on his name. We worship because for thousands of years we were separated from the presence of God. We were separated from love. We were separated from him. And now through the blood of Jesus we have access to God's presence and wholeness. That's why we worship. Because we no longer carry the burden of sin. But we have laid it down at Calvary and picked up grace. That's a reason to shout right there. Many people think that God is out to get them. But the truth is, is that God is out to save them. Today, God, the church and, and God, we have a bad rap because... Unfortunately, we're known for more things we're against instead of things we're for. But God isn't out to get people. He's out to rescue them. He's not out to hurt you. He's out to help you. He's not out to, he, he hasn't forgotten you, but he is very aware of you. In fact, the Bible says that every tear that we cry, he saves it in a bottle and he knows it. When we're in the middle of pain and disappointment like John was, it's hard maybe even impossible to see what God is doing. Let me ever ask yourself, you don't have to tell me, what is God doing? If he loves me so much, why is he allowing me to go through this? If he is for me and not against me, then why is my life crazy right now? If he loves me and he paid the price for my healing, why is my body broken right now? If he says if I'm faithful to him and if I give and he's going to be faithful to me, why is my banking account still empty right now? And these sounds, you may say, well, well we shouldn't worry about money. Well, but you got to have, you got to have, you got bills, you got to have money to pay them, right? And these are questions we ask ourselves, where is God? When we're in the middle of pain, we can't see what God's doing. Whenever John was sitting at the foot of Calvary, he couldn't see that he couldn't see that sin and death was being overcome. He couldn't see that depression and anxiety and addiction was being overcome. He couldn't see that with every nail, with every hit that that nail took as it entered into Jesus's body, he couldn't see that death was being overcome. All he saw was that the person that he loved was dying. He didn't understand that those nails were signing the release papers for those that were dead in sin. He didn't see that as those nails entered our Savior's body that it was releasing us from the debt that had kept us separated from God for so long. That's a good God. That's a good God. And what, what floors me about Jesus is that he was, as he was paying our bills for our debt of sin, he was praying for those that were doing the beating. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody asked me to pay their light bill, and this is just a light bill, I'm going to say, how about you carry your rear into work? I work for my bills. You take your butt to work. 
And we grovel and complain whenever people ask us to pay anything that's not ours. We start coming up with reasons why you should be carrying your own weight. Is that right? But Jesus, whenever he was literally paying the most costly debt that was ever owed, he hung on the cross and and as he was being mocked. Can you imagine paying somebody's light bill and then they talking about you? They paying my light bill. They could have paid my gas bill too, but they stingy with all their money. Could you imagine? You you probably would cuss them out on top of taking your check back. Am I right? Oh, y'all quiet. Y'all, y'all holy today. It's Easter. We got we got to be holy in church. Oh, Jesus. But while he was being mocked and talked about, instead of saying, you know what, God, get me off this cross. They're not worth it. He had every right to call into heaven and say, you know what, get me off of this cross. We're just going to wipe it out, send another flood or fire, and start over. Had every right to do that, but instead he made another plea to the Father in heaven. He said, God, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. That's the kind of God we serve. And anybody that says that God is out to get us is crazy. Today we have hope because every one of our sins were nailed to that cross. It didn't make sense to John while he was standing beside the cross but his inability to understand did not, cancel God, did not cancel God's plan. John's inability to understand what was happening did not cancel what God was doing. Can I tell you today, you may not understand what God is doing in your life or through your life. You may not under- understand exactly what's happening. But just because you don't understand it, that does not mean that it's going to cancel God, God's plan. All we have to do is just hand it over and say, you know what, God, I don't understand this, but I'm putting it in your hands. I don't understand this sickness, but I'm putting it in your hands. I don't understand why I'm having so much trouble with my kids, but I'm putting it in your hands. I don't know how to be a parent, so God, I'm putting it in your hands. Today, whatever you're going through, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to know how to get to the finish line all you have to know is hey you need to know how to say God I give it to you whenever hope came alive what I'm saying this morning is that whenever Jesus came out of the grave it released me from the burden of having to figure everything out I don't have to figure everything out I have to do my due diligence and I have to work hard as a father and as a husband but at the end of the day my biggest responsibility is being able to lay things down at the feet of Jesus and trust that he's going to take care of it that's why hope is alive today because I'm no longer dependent on my own ability but I'm dependent on his and no matter how bad things seem to be hope is alive And well, the stone has been rolled away, and today Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for us. Today, Jesus, we live in a world and in a society that thinks God is against us and Jesus is dead, but today he's alive and well, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's making intercession for us. He's praying for us. Today, if you are under the blood of Jesus, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, what burden you're carrying, he is praying and interceding for you today. He is on your side. You are not forgotten. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. And because he did, we have an expectant hope. 
We have a hope that says, you know what? On the other side of this life, I know I'm going to walk into the streets of glory. And then my old body is going to be made whole. And I'm going to be made whole. And there will be no more tears that will come across my eyes. And I, I will get to walk the streets of gold and lay eyes on the Father. Today, we this life may never go the way we want it to. But whenever the stone was rolled away, it assured this thing. That on the other side of this life, we get to walk in the fullness and the presence of God. That our hope today is in a Christ and is in a God that is very much alive and well that is for us. And so John's hope that he thought to be dead, it came back to life. As John watched Jesus die and they, he watched him carry Jesus' body away, he thought hope had died. But in fact, it was preparing to come back to life. Don't give up so easily on things that God put in your heart. Don't give up. Look, look to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Look to your other neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't give up on what God has put in your heart. Don't give up on your passions. Don't give up on the promises of God because it doesn't look like it's working out. Don't give up on God because it doesn't look like he's acting. Don't give up on God. Give God time to work because he does not work on our timeline. Amen? Don't assume God is finished with you. Sometimes we get in a place where we feel like we've fallen or we've been frustrated and things aren't going our way and we give up on God and we think that he's given up on us. But the truth is, is that he is ever, he's ever present in every situation. He doesn't give up on us. And because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. Sin no longer has a hold on us. Death no longer has a sting. But death has been swallowed up in victory. We are no longer separated from God, but we have free and full access to God at any time. That is the good news, that there was a time that I lived in a way that the only hope I had was the hope I had in myself. But today, because I'm under the blood of Jesus, I have a hope that is far greater than myself. I know that even in the darkest of times, even whenever things don't make any sense at all, I can put my faith in Jesus. I can call out to God and know that he's working on my behalf. We call, the, we call it the gospel, and that actually means the good news. The good news today is that Christ lives. Christ lives. And because he lives, we can have fullness of life in him. And so my question for you today is this. When is the last time that hope was alive in your life? Miss Karen, would you come play for me, please? Today, as we celebrate Easter and we prepare to do Easter eggs, I can't wait to see my kids fighting over Easter eggs today. It's going to be I like to see them fight. Christina's going to stress out. That's just, that's the balance of our household. Whatever. I was actually hanging out with the kids yesterday, and Christina was gone shopping somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I had one of those uh-oh moments as a father. I was sitting, and I was um, reading over my sermon for today, and uh, if, you, if you've heard me preach before, I have a tendency to sometimes be long-winded. And so I was trying to make sure I'm not long-winded today. And um, 
trying to figure out where I could cut and move and all those things. And, uh, and I got to looking up, and my son was missing. <laughs> and he had been missing for a while. <laughs> and if you have a toddler, and if you've ever had a toddler like my toddler, Liam, he could be gone for five seconds, and he's caused a huge problem. Like my phone going in the toilet last week. I looked up and I said, oh, Lord. It's one of those, it's one, it was one of those moments where you know something's bad, something bad has happened, but you're not really mentally prepared for what it could be. So I just sat there. I said, oh, Lord, he's into something. And I thought to myself, okay, Jay, it's going to be okay. Whatever he's gotten into, as long as he's not dead, he hasn't killed his sister or mortally wounded her, She's not crying, so it can't be too bad. <laughs> and I say, Liam James. He walks in there with a pen and marks all over his body. This is home. <laughs> and this is how different my wife and I are. I'm just going to assume he just wrote on himself and not the walls. And so I didn't go look. But I got to thinking about my son and ready to close the sermon. <laughs> there are times I get on to Liam, and he has, and you can tell he's still at that age where I'm, I'm, I'm getting on to him, and he's not, some, sometimes he knows exactly what he did. And he knew exactly, yeah, he just knows. Um. I, but I have to get on to him. There are some times where he's kind of confused, like, like, I hit my sister. She hit me first, though. It's okay. I can, in baby language, I can see him saying, like, blah, 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 blah. So I blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's at that age now where I'm just like, oh, yeah. I just shake my head and say, oh, yeah. He could be telling me I'm going to blow the house up. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Whatever. I have no idea what he's saying to me. I got to thinking about it last night as I was preparing the trying to figure out how I wanted to land today I don't always know how to parent and they don't they write a lot of books I'm not going to read I haven't read any of them I'm not going to lie I've read the covers though the covers some of them actually a lot of them look stupid I'm not going to lie and I've read a lot of the theories and I and whatever But parental theory is not is a lot different than putting it into action. Is that is that true? I can read a book, and I have read different types of books on how to do this and how to do that. And things are excellent in theory. But when sometimes when you go to put those theory those theories into action into application, it doesn't always work out the same. And that's kind of how our walk with Christ is. This morning I shared with you this message that God put on my heart about hope and how it's still alive and how we have access to hope. But if I were to tell you today that if you were to put your faith in Jesus that your whole life would be balanced and easy, I would be lying to you. If I were to tell you that every day would make sense as a Christian and that every day would be good, I would be lying to you. But today if you don't get anything else out of my message, Understand this, 
following Christ doesn't guarantee you have the answers. Sometimes it doesn't even guarantee you have the right direction. What it does guarantee is that you have a hope regardless of where your feet take you. Hope is alive and well today. And my question for you as we prepare to close is what is your hope in? Hope. You know what hope means? I even looked this up. Hope is the cherished expectation that something good is going to happen. Do you have a hope today in Christ where you know regardless of what comes to your life, it's going to be all right? Having faith in Jesus, it's not just being a Sunday Christian or a or I believe in Jesus Christian. It's it's. Whenever I say I'm a Christian, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I have it all down, that I understand theology. It just simply means that I put my faith in something much bigger than myself. And when I lay my head down at night and I worry about my kid's future and I think about where society is today and I lay my head down with the hope that I can put them in the hands of Jesus. I can put my finances and my marriage and my future in the hands of Jesus. And the hope that came alive on Sunday was that I can trust God with those things. Who do you trust today? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in your own ability to take care of your issues? Are you trusting in your own ability to take care of your problems? Or is your trust in something much bigger than yourself? Everyone stand, please. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to take a long time to do this because I think that God is already working in your heart. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. My question for you is this. Is your hope in Jesus for salvation, for provision, for healing? And if it's not, are you ready to get that right today? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, my question for you is this. Do you need to put your faith in Jesus today as your Savior, as your provider, as your healer? If that's you, would you lift your hand? God sees those hands. God sees those hands. If that's you and you need to put your faith in Jesus today to save you, to provide for you, to heal for you, lift those hands. God sees them. God sees them. God sees those hands. Right now, don't wait. Don't wait. Would you repeat this prayer after me? I'm going to give you just five more seconds. If you want me to pray for salvation over you, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, right now, lift your hands. Right now is the time. One, two, three. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. Very good, very good, very good. Everybody look at me for just a second. We're about to pray a prayer of salvation. And for those of you, and there were several, several people who raised their hands today to, to give your heart to Jesus. This is what this means. It means that we're about to pray a prayer. And if it comes from your heart, if it doesn't come from your heart, it doesn't matter. Might as well save your breath. 
But if you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life and you want him to take control of your life, you want to repent of your sin and you want to follow after him. That doesn't mean you're going to pray and you'll be perfect. It means you're going to pray and you're going to start a journey where he brings you closer to him and you move closer toward him. He's going to wash you, he's going to wash you clean. He's going to make you new. Today's your day. That's what this means. It means you're making him Lord of your life and you're letting, you're letting control go. So I'm going to pray this prayer of you right now, and I want you to pray with me. Everyone pray with me. We're going to pray together as a family, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Everyone say, Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. I come to you right now as a sinner. I have messed up. I have issues in my life. I lay them at your feet. I give my life to you. I submit to you. And I ask that you would save me. Set me free from all of my sin. Make me new in you. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. I give my future to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise right now. Right now, give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. For those of you that prayed that prayer this morning, and there were several, find somebody. Look to your neighbor say, find somebody. Everybody look to your neighbor say, find somebody. Find someone and tell them, hey, today, hey, look, when I got saved, I told my friends, I don't even know what I was doing. I just knew I need to put my faith in Jesus. I didn't even know what I was doing. So you may, you may have prayed that prayer and you have no idea what your next steps are. Find me, find somebody here, say, hey, I put my faith in Jesus and I just want to know where to go from here. Find someone, tell them, and we're going to walk through this thing with you. Thank you so much for being here today. We, we, are, we are so happy for those of you who prayed. Thank you for visiting with us today. Um, before you go, there are several things I need to tell you before anyone starts moving around a whole lot. Uh, if you have not, somebody say, have not. If you have not had your picture taken, I encourage you, visitors, they're going to be here for a while. Come into this foyer. We can take your picture. It'll be accessible online if you want to. Now, my members, I'm going to ask you politely but assertively, go have your picture taken, please. <laughs> It'll help us out. Uh, they'll be here beyond the Easter egg hunt. So you guys come back and get your picture taken. Thank you very much. Easter egg hunt is on now. You guys can head out that way. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Y'all have a great holiday. God bless.